During her tenure as Ohio State School Board President, Debbie Tirhar discovered a correlation between low reading levels and incarceration rates. So what did she do? Prioritize what she calls a third grade reading guarantee for young students in Ohio. This guarantee keeps the focus on the student and gives them what's necessary to launch into a meaningful life of impact. So I'll just throw a personal experience here just because uh, it may be helpful to somebody who's listening because uh, we have these challenges all the time. A number of years ago, uh, my wife and I uh, moved into a community. Uh, we heard the schools were great and so forth. And so we said, okay, we're going to enroll our kids. And one of our boys, uh, he was just, it was early grades. And uh, like in his first few days of school, he came home and he was frustrated and confused. And uh, what had happened was the teacher asked the question, kind of an open question. And uh, our child, you know, he's very competitive and had his hand up, wanted to answer the question, teacher acknowledged him, and he responded to the question based on the values that he had been taught at home. And mm -hmm. the teacher responded, well, no, that's not really the answer we're looking for here, uh, and then proceeded to in a sense, give a different answer that tied in with what the curriculum was or whatever. And, and our child was frustrated, came home and, uh, and I could tell it was a problem. A lot of times teachers, um, you know, they are bound by policy things and mandates that are passed down to them. And they are required to teach certain things sometimes uh, because there's testing and, you know, stuff and measurements and, and that the kids are supposed to get. Um, and so when they're doing that, whether they agree with it or not, then sometimes that creates a conflict in the child with what they're being taught at home or someplace else. And in our case, I had a simple decision to make as a dad. If I left the child where he was, I was leaving the child where the child was literally being torn between who's right, my parents or the teacher. Well, we want our children to respect adults Okay. And when they're in a conflict like that, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. And that is not a healthy place to have a child in. And so we decided to take the child out of the school and put them in another location where we knew that school would correspond to our values at home. And so, you know, this is an issue that happens every day across this country and to families over and over again. And that's where parents have to step in and do the hard decisions, uh, but we cannot let our children be torn. And I think we also need to work on policies and things so that our teachers are not placed in a position like that where they are adding to that conflict. I agree 100%. The role of a teacher is not to insist on your take on an issue. Mm -hmm. It's to facilitate the conversation of, well, you could consider this too. Mm -hmm. It's part of the, it's part of the learning process. And then you can discern for yourself 
what what is true and what's not. And if if you're given that option, then you can go home to mom and dad and say, well, I said this. And but the other thing was this. What do you think about that, mom and dad? Yeah. Well, then you can you can decide for yourself what's best for you. But I, I think the idea that um, we've come to a point where there is a, a an effort um, to use a political agenda um, to indoctrinate our children is not good. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely and it's, true. it's happening. It's, it, it is happening. And unfortunately, everything has become political these days. Um, and in one sense, it's unavoidable. Uh, but on the other sense, uh, it really should not be. Uh, there should be some things that um, that we should be able to unite around uh, as people uh, that are that are above politics uh, and are ultimately for the good of our children. It, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, go I'll ahead. go back to when, when I was on the state board, and this, this speaks to what we were just talking about. We were looking at um, uh, one of the testing companies to do the, the tests. And I was at a, a meeting of state board presidents and vice presidents in Washington. And the the testing company came and they presented and they showed a question that was to be considered for high school. And it it was regarding the, and I don't know the wording of it, but it was regarding the National Endowment for the Arts and should funding be provided for the National Endowment of the Arts. And they listed three sources, two were magazines and one was the Washington Post. And I, I, I looked at that question and it just was a red flag for me. And I, I couldn't help it. I just stood up and I said, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. And I'm, I'm looking at this. If that question shows up on a test in the state of Ohio, I will do everything in my power to get your contract canceled. Mm-hmm. I said, that can't happen. And the state of Texas stood up and he said, I'm with Ohio. Mm-hmm. And other states stood up too and said, you can't do that. I said, this is a political agenda here. That, that has no place in, in our, our school system. That's not what we should be doing. Yeah. What were the most significant challenges faced by the board during your tenure? For the board, what we, what we were faced with, we started, we rolled out a new teacher accountability model. It, we were asking teachers to do a lot more uh, to become prepared for the classroom. There was a lot of pushback on that. They, they felt that it was asking too much of them. They're already overburdened with having to deal with the children. Now you want us to do extra work, you know, to prove that we're good teachers. Mm -hmm. So that, that was, that was a difficult thing. We worked on um, the A to F report card. That was another big challenge. Our our challenge with that was going from a, a, a system of, okay, we're an improving district or continuing improvement um, or, or we're, we're okay. You know, it, it just didn't work. We said yeah. A to F makes it clear. That's what everybody's report card looks like. So we could do that at the state level. Yeah. It was very difficult to get people to understand. And it was, there was a lot of pushback from the districts on that. They, they didn't want to have to explain it to their, the parents, because what they were starting to find out, parents were starting to find out was that our school district isn't quite as good as we thought it was. Mm-hmm. So that that received a lot of pushback. You know, it's interesting uh, what we 
you know, back in the day when you and I were in school, <laughs> I mean, it was A to F, okay? Yes. And uh, C was considered average. Right. Uh, and F was a failure. And F was like, you know, 60% or, you know, in that exactly. ballpark, you know? In other words, if you didn't get at least that many right, you failed. Um, right. And, and that whole process has shifted so significantly. And, you know, in many locations, it's really an A to C. So there is no D or F because we don't fail anybody uh, because it might not make them feel good. It or hurts their we, feeling. Or we just, you know, we can't keep them in the system. They, you know, we got to keep moving them through the system. Um, and so, you know, the lowest grade you get is a C. And so people that are actually failing miserably are getting a C and moving right on with the rest. And uh, honestly, that's a huge, I don't know if parents understand that, uh, but that is such a huge disservice uh, because we are, rewarding uh, failure uh, from from the standpoint of teachers and from right. the standpoint of students. Right. And, you know, and, you know, it's like, you know, that all that does is reinforce bad behavior or reinforce um, practices that are not serving their intended purposes. Uh, they're not helping that student. Uh, in reality, they are setting them back for the whole of their life. Well, I look at, I look at this too. The, one of the other challenges we had was we implemented the third grade reading guarantee. Mm -hmm. I pushed for that so hard. And I said, you, you need to be sure that a child knows how to read by the end of third grade. Otherwise, you're setting them up for failure yep. because they're not going to be able to read the stuff that they have in fourth grade and fifth grade. And mm -hmm. then by sixth, seventh or eighth grade, they're done. They, yep. they, they've had it. So yep. I remember giving a speech up in Cleveland to the um, new school board members, state school board members, not state school board members, but local school board members who mm -hmm. were new, mm -hmm. about 250 people in the room. And I finished my speech in this one lady raised her hand and she, she said, I'm, I'm just really worried about that, that little third grade girl who isn't going to go on to fourth grade because she can't pass the, uh, the reading test. And, uh, you know, she's just not going to feel good about herself not being able to go to fourth grade. And I told her, I said, I will guarantee you that if you allow that little girl to go on to fourth grade, not knowing how to read, she's not going to feel good about herself for the rest of her life. Yep. People just went berserk. They, they applauded. It was finally somebody said it out loud. Yep. And I was the state board president. Mm -hmm. And I said, that, that's, that's my gut feeling. We have the, the statistics to prove it true. Mm -hmm. We base our prison population on the third grade yeah. reading scores mm -hmm. and it correlates. You've yeah. got about 30,000 kids who can't read in third grade and you end up with 30,000 prisoners. And that's, that's how they yeah. apply the, the numbers and it, 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 it correlates. And that's, that's sad. That's yeah. just sad. 
So we don't, we don't have to do it. And that goes back to the early childhood piece. You get that early childhood piece in there and you, those numbers drop substantially. Yes. Yes. And I think too, with it, with a third grade reading guarantee, the wonderful thing about that for me was that in the first grade, if a child is not on track for, for reading, you set up a plan and that child has that plan and he doesn't get off the plan until he's up to, to on track. Now, if you end up at the end of third grade, it is no surprise whether that child is going to pass that test or not. It comes as no surprise to the parents, the child or the district. Yeah. So you, you've got to be able to be prepared for those students. Exactly. Well said. How does the state board relate to the federal department of education, to the executive and legislative branches of state government and to local and regional school boards? Now I realize you're talking from Ohio and this will vary somewhat from state to state, but in general, it will apply. Right. Um, so the state board of education really doesn't have anything to do with the uh, federal department of education. Uh, federal dollars are passed through the state department of education. So that's, that's the only contact we have with the feds. The feds have their, their mandates. Um, uh, the, the, you know, they, they have testing requirements, all the, all those other things that they, they bring down from the federal level that all goes through the department. Uh, and you have your, your, your bureaucrats at the department who, who handle all of those things. And that's why it's very important for the state board of education to hire a very good superintendent of public instruction, because that person is the one who implements all of these uh, programs and plans and, and the, does the past $3. Uh, the executive branch drives its own priorities. We are not a member of the executive branch. I work very closely with um, with Governor Kasich on uh, early childhood, um, and it, it was it was a, a fabulous thing. But it it was not something where he directed what we did. Yeah, uh, it was it, he he worked closely with his appointees, so they they brought things to the table, um, which were were considered, and uh, quite often we we would agree, and quite often we wouldn't. So it, it was it was a good thing. Um, the board works with the legislature on education policy. I was very privileged to um, to be married to a state legislator uh, who was in the, the legislature at the at the time. Uh, so I developed a very good uh, rapport with the state legislators, um, both the House. My husband was also in the Senate um, and uh, I, I work very closely with with the senators. And I mm-hmm. still enjoy that that today. I have a, a very close relationship with with them today, and uh, and we do discuss education issues for that. Um, local and regional boards, um, we are a uh, a local control state, so the the local boards are in charge of the curriculum that they um, they provide for their students. Of course, that has to go along with the standards that the state uh, mandates be followed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think it all works very nicely in Ohio. Regarding curriculum, we have a model curriculum that was developed by the Department of Education for, for Ohio. Uh, and so it serves as a model for the mm-hmm. district to look to. It's not set in stone. You know, that's that's not what they have to do. Mm-hmm. It's just what you can do if you if you wish to do that. But it's also at the local level 
they're responsible for the materials that they purchase to provide instruction to the children. And that really is the key. It's the actual instructional materials that you present to a child that develops their education. So that's where parents, in my mind, come in. Parents need to review the educational curriculum materials that their children are provided. Mm-hmm. And need to go through it with a fine tooth comb because unfortunately there are so many things that are printed today that are inappropriate for for children to be exposed to. And that's just that's my my feeling, but I've I've seen it. And yeah. you know, you know when it's right and you know when it's not. Yeah. So here's a question for you. What specific accomplishments do you feel you had that made education better in Ohio because of your service? Well, I did mention the third grade reading guarantee. I'm, yeah. I am very proud of that. Um, when, when I was there, uh, when I began, of course, early childhood being my, my interest, I had asked the department of, about the publicly funded slots. So slots for early childhood education. Mm-hmm. And the state was funding 5,000 children for early childhood. And I asked, well, how many children do we have who are of that age group, the three to five-year-olds? Um, 500,000. <laughs> I said, wow. and we're, we're funding 5,000. Okay. We've got a little work to do. One percent. Yeah. I was I was very pleased by the end of my four years. We had tripled that. It was only 15,000. But I thought we had hit pay dirt to be able to uh, to get 10,000 more children involved in that with with public publicly funded um, Mm -hmm. early education. Um, The other thing was the A to F report card. I thought that was essential to to make it clear to parents where their district is, how well their kids are doing, and if they're going to be prepared for for college or any other kind of secondary education. So that's, those are the things I, I was most proud of. We also implemented new graduation requirements and that, that was, that was an uphill, an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was, it was great. And then I think it was um, m- when my husband was in his last year in the Senate in 2019, um, he was, uh, he was instrumental in uh, tweaking the graduation requirements uh, for our, our kids. So I, I, I'm very pleased with, with what we did on uh, the four years that I was on the board. And I, I think we I think we left a pretty good legacy. Well, congratulations and thank you for the work you did there. I know that you are continuing your involvement with education. Um, at No Webster Educational Foundation, we promote core principles and best practices in education. We focus on the roles of instruction, parents, government, faith and morality, and facilities. Do you have any specific thoughts you'd like to share on these points? I'll tell you what, Melvin, every one of those aspects is a critical element Mm -hmm. that is essential to a a prosperous society. And I think what you're doing is fabulous. So I I just, every single one of them is important. Not, Not one of them is more important than the other. And it's, it's got to be a cohesive blend 
of all those things to make us uh, successful as a country. And I think that's what it comes down to. We, we've got it. We've got to be an educated nation to be able to compete in the global world. Yeah. Yeah. So based on your experience and your ongoing commitment to improve education in this country, what would you now say kind of as closing <laughs> remarks, what would you say to parents, educators and legislators uh, about uh, things that need to be happening in education? Or their, it, their involvement, maybe you should say. Well, their involvement is critical. Um, I think we need to remember that the child is our focus, mm-hmm. not a political agenda. And we need to provide the opportunity for them to be able to be contributing members to a society. And the way we do that is through education. They need to learn they need to have the knowledge and skills to be able to provide for themselves and their families, their communities and society in general. And that's, that's what our role is. It's, it's not to be an activist. It's, it's not to be a, a, a social justice warrior. It's, it's to give a child a, a solid foundation that will help them be successful in life. Wow. Well, thank you. Uh, we agree on those things, and uh, I hope that parents, especially parents, but also educators and legislators, um, you know, all of them carry such a significant role in the life and development of a child, uh, whether they realize it or not. And uh, so we just... Melvin, can I, yeah, can I sure. just say, I, when, when you mentioned the teachers, I, I want to commend the teachers in the United States who have done a, a, a fabulous job in trying their very best Mm -hmm. to help children this year in the most difficult time possible. Debbie, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you for your work over the years to improve education and, uh, hope you stay engaged and, uh, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, together, uh, we're going to move this ball down the court. That sounds like a fabulous idea. I look forward to it. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you again for your time and thank you for speaking to us today. Thanks for joining us today. One of our goals at the Noah Webster Education Foundation is to equip individuals to engage with their local government and school system, whether you're a parent, educator, legislator, or simply a concerned citizen. Visit our website to learn more at www.nwef.org.